yesterday. And one of the things I will do, uh, at least I have different funeral thoughts that I will give on occasion. And I usually believe those are occasions for people to take stock of where they are at in their life. And so I will sometimes read from Isaiah chapter 40, and I'll read verse 8 specifically, but I'll read some of the verses around that. Um, this great uh, kind of hinge point in the book of Isaiah, where it says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And what I will do is I'll just ask people to consider and to think for a moment um, our lives, the word of God says, is short. It's like grass that withers. It's like what we see here in the fall. Some of you have flowers that you see were vibrant and bright in the spring, and as the fall comes along, they kind of begin to recede and, and die, right? They're just for a season, and our life is for a season. And so I'll ask people to contemplate. Um, you have, like a flower, the ability to emit a fragrance and to actually impact others. And so what will people remember? Flowers are amazing. I, I took one in to my wife. We, I cut a rose, and I actually had the presence of mind to stop to smell it. I don't usually, when I'm on task, I'm just like right to it. And I smelled that rose, and I remember looking at it later throughout the day, and I could still smell that. You have that experience? You can smell. Some of I talked about fresh baking bread in the kitchen can probably smell that. Our lives leave a fragrance. Like I said, my grandmother left an impact on me. Your life leads a fragrance. And so I really just want to ask this question as we get into this new series that we're going to be looking at, the surprisingly great news where we begin to look first here at Luke, because we need to look back at what the surprisingly great news is, and then we'll look at the book of Acts as it's played out through the early formation of the church. I want you to ask, in the same way, how do you want to be remembered? When you are in that place where you are the one, and the funeral is taking place, what will people say of you? And the biblical author, Luke, is interesting because he is one who begins his gospel and begins also the book of Acts by writing to an individual named Theophilus. And he writes to him specifically by saying, I have met with, because he wasn't himself an eyewitness, but I have met with eyewitnesses who lived with Jesus. And they, in a sense, have inspired me to write what stood out in their hearts and minds. And so Luke kind of approaches the Gospel of Luke in that way. And Theophilus is, is an interesting name. It means either friend of God or um, loved by God, that kind of idea. And, and most believe it was a person who was a patron, who, who were patrons in those days, which just as today will give their finances and they have um, um, resources to be able to help with a cause or with a charity or something like that. And in those days, the way books were written is you often had to have, if you weren't very wealthy yourself, a patron who would sponsor you to write it. And so more than likely, because of the talk that was happening in a oral culture, Theophilus said, would you write an account of Jesus? And then I think Luke came back later and said, can I also, I'd like to write the account of the, not just the life of Jesus, but the life of Jesus that continues through his church even to this day through us. And so he, he does this. So if you look at Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, he, he begins by saying, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down 
to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, he says, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. You can, you can understand that there's, there's historical verification for what is being written here and what you believe. And then he goes on. If you go to Luke, he does something very similar. He begins in the same way. Verses 1 through 3. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them for over 40, a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. We'll find that the kingdom of God, this terminology, is, is very important in both the Gospels and even in the book of Acts. But Luke is, is basically saying, let me tell you the good news, this surprisingly great news, about Jesus and what he, what he came to tell us about. And Luke was moved to ex- examine, to look at the life of Christ through the eyes of others. And so he gives this account. Uh, I do this often, like yesterday at a funeral. If it's a smaller funeral, um, rather than a large funeral, I, I will kind of say, let's, you know, I don't, I will stop at a point and just say, are there a few people who would like to say some things about the person? And that happened yesterday, and two or three people stood up and shared their eyewitness, their experience with that person. That's what Luke is kind of doing here. He's, he's kind of stopping and saying, I'm going to share with you some of the things that come to the forefront. And so this, this morning, I want to highlight with you the one thing that is truly, I mean, if you were to write on your, you kind of take your hand and say, here are three things that I like to be remembered by, there is one in the life of Jesus that just surpasses all the rest. And that is the way Luke writes this, is that he was one who lived in the presence of God and carried the presence of God so that people had encounters with the grace and found forgiveness and love and salvation through this God who Jesus brought and who he himself was God in flesh on the cross through the resurrection bringing the possibility of God's kingdom, his encounter everywhere. So he carried the presence of God. But he shows you three things basically around this. And, and I'm just going to comment on a couple of them and then end with the last one. And, and the very first thing that he comments on is that as Luke heard from person after person what stood out in his gospel, and I want us to take a moment to look at this, is his intimate prayer that he had with the Father. For Jesus, it was really important for him on a regular, consistent basis to spend time in the presence of his Father. He knew how important it was to be filled with the Word of God, to be filled with the presence of God, and to walk into life with that sense of presence. This idea that when you do that, there's something that's incredible that happens. As you carry the presence of God, you also are present for people. You are present for God so that the Spirit of God can work through you, so that as you do, you allow for people to have an encounter with God. So those are kind of three things that he says. As he lived in the presence of God, he would find time to be intimate 
um, conversationally as he went through the day, but also period of times where he would just get away and be with God so that as he walked out through life, he would be able to hear and be sensitive to the Spirit of God so the Spirit of God could activate what needed to be done in his life that others would encounter God. And so I want you to think about that in your own life. If you were to come to the end of your life, how much of any of this would be someone would say, well, this person had this characteristic in their life. Jesus' life was marked by prayer an intimacy with God. In fact, the 12 disciples saw that. If you look at Luke chapter 11, verse 1, there's a first time you, you find Luke just saying this was really something that the disciples saw again and again. He says one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to we understand what this sense of intimacy and presence in, in happens to prayer. So would you begin to teach us? And then I want you to note, because you may have not seen this before, but just go through the, the account of Luke. And I'll just do this quickly. We'll walk through this. You'll see that, that um, Luke records this again and again. Because I think what he found as he talked with people, people continued to give him this feedback. Listen to Luke 4.42. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Mark 135 puts it like this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He connected. He, he, he took time to be intimate with his father, which was so important at that time because he spent the, the day before teaching and, and he, and, and after the Sabbath ended, he healed people all day. It would be real easy. Isn't it real easy when you have success to kind of ride on the fumes of success? Who needs to get up? Who needs, and he knew how important this connection being present, being centered in his heart with what God was calling him to do was. So that when they came to him and found him and said, let's go off to this place and let's, let's, let's start this you know, healing ministry. And Jesus goes, no, I'm, we're going to go to another town because that's what I've been called to do. He was connected. If you look at Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, Luke continues on just as he goes through the chapter. News about Jesus spread all the more. So that crowds of people came to hear him to be healed of their sicknesses. You've got to underline this. If you go through Luke, I encourage you to do it. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He knew that if he stayed in the crowd and lived on whatever he was, you know, if you're at work and you, things are going well and, and, and you've made some sales or you're at work and, and you're, you've, you've been managing well and things, are, in some sense, he's just saying when those times, especially when things were seeming to be, you know, from a ministry standpoint, Positive, he said, all the more I need to step back. I mean, it's not a problem for most of us, right? When things are going bad, no one has a problem saying, God help me. But he, he, he has this pattern in his life. I, I know as I meet with um, groups and small groups and am connected with, with them over the years, and I still hear it today, how many times people go, I wish I would just stay connected with God. It's amazing to me how easy it is to drift. And then they'll say something like this. I really need this group. This group helps me stay weekly connected with God. I, um, on Mondays, as we were starting uh, this podcast and thinking through about 
this conversations and, and, and we did a, a first series on let's talk about racism. And I remember I came to the point and I had shared with the elders and then shared with the staff that I think it's really important to talk about this and have courageous, authentic conversations. But even more so, I think it's important that we do something. And I don't know what doing looks for people. But I knew for us as a church, at some point, we needed to be connected with a, at least another black church in the city. And so just was praying about what that looked like and find out that there is a couple who, in our church, when um, Rob Vischer spoke about a year ago, was convicted and started meeting with a, a, a black church. And so God had already, before this ever occurred in, in May... God had already been working in our midst and connecting us with the group. And what I found is interesting is that we start to meet, and we meet with this group on Mondays, and I wanted to move things along because I have activator in me, and I said, let's get this done. we got to do something. And I wanted to, you know, get them on a podcast. They didn't want anything like that. This, this pastor, um, Pastor Brian Heron, and I, I appreciate him so much, he, he said, no, let's time out, slow it down. You know what we want to do with you? We really just want to stand and pray together. So since that occurrence back in, 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 in the beginning of June, every Monday from 12 to noon, from no, 12 to noon, yeah, that's a long time of prayer. No, noon to one, a group meets. We meet either at Zion Baptist Church or Faith Baptist Church. Good free church with the Baptists. Anyway, um, and we stand around, about 30 or so of us, Six feet apart, and we pray. That's all we do. I'm so moved by the intimacy that is, that is coming together by a group of people who are really from different places. I think more healing would happen if we really spent time with others and sought to listen and understand and how incredible with other people who love Jesus to pray with him. I am so moved by the prayers of my brothers and sisters. from, And I'm talking different colors, all different colors, shades of skin that are there. I, I, I remember um, having, at one point we would sing, We Are One in the Spirit. And then at the end we conclude um, with a song I've never heard before. Uh, and the melody is really hard to sing, so there's no way I'm going to sing it for you. But it, it, it's, it's really interesting, and it comes from our black church. It says, I need you. You need me. We're all part of God's body. Stand with me, agree with me. We're all part of God's body. It is his will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. You are important to me. I need you to survive. I pray for you. You pray for me. I love you. I need you to survive. I won't harm you with words from my mouth. I love you. I need you to survive. It is his will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. That is so foreign to my experience. Growing up in a suburb and growing up in, in white America and everything else, and I'm not trying to make this a racial thing. I'm just saying I grew up in a very kind of independent, you're going to make it happen, and you do it. Let's get it done. And I just hear in the voices of the, 
especially some of the guys groups I'm meeting with, and they just, you know, we were meeting every other week with one group, and one of the groups says through the summer, let's Zoom every week. Because I need you to survive. So Jesus brings a group around them, and he demonstrates to them what is so important is not just the relationship that they have, being present with one another, but being present with God. I, I, I love when, when our, Amaris was praying here early, and she said, we're not here to pretend. I just want to tell you folks, pretend church is over. Bring what's in your heart and bring it out to God. You're not going to white-knuckle yourself to joy. You're not going to move. You're going to have to move to a place, say, God, here's what's going on in my heart. I don't even like what's going on in my life right now. And, and lay it before him and come honestly before him. And he will meet your needs. He will hopefully bring you other people. That's what the body of Christ is all about. So we come together, and, and, and here is Jesus demonstrating for us one of the most important things he has to do if he's going to be with the 12, and he's going to be someone who's going to impact the world around him is he spends time, and he bends his knee, and he says, Father, I need to hear from you. I need for your presence to powerfully walk with me through life. And think about that. He's God in flesh. But here's what I think is, I, I, shoot, you guys, I have like, I'll just give you these verses. I'm almost past, Luke 6, 12 through 13. Jesus goes out to the mountain and he prays all night because there's an important decision ahead of him. Oh man, I just have to say, for us as a church, we're seeking to learn how to do that. We're praying on these Wednesdays once, once a month and, and saying, God, we, we will be founded on prayer. We have groups that are meeting for prayer. Um, our elders, we're continuing to grow in prayer. We are learning how to do that as a staff. Our, our impact will, honestly, it will only come from intimacy with God. Luke 22, 39 through 40. He's in the upper room, and as was his habit, he went to the Mount of Olives, the place of secret prayer. And what I love about this is it's in prayer. You know, we all think about Jesus walked to the cross, and he won the victory on the cross, and wow, he just, you know what? He won the victory in the garden. He sweated blood in the garden. He said, God, whose will? Whose will? Could we do it a different way? And God didn't, didn't allow a different way, and he said, okay, I will submit myself, and I will walk out your will. You ever think about that? We, the victory is on the cross. Yeah, we proclaim the cross because the cross is, is the actual established point. But the point that was won really for us and for all people was there on his knees in the garden. With no one else around him praying. They just were too tired. They didn't understand what was going on. And then as we look into Acts, here is, Luke continues it in Acts. Acts 1.14, they all joined together constantly in prayer. Acts 2.1, when the whole day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place. What were they doing? They were praying. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching to fellowship, to breaking bread, and prayer. Acts 4.25, I think it is, where they have this, um, huge persecution this coming against some of the disciples. And what do they do? They come together and they pray. Okay. I want you just to think. You will carry the presence of God where you go if you're willing to spend time in God's presence. Those, those who carry the presence of God are those who spend time in the presence of God. 
I don't know what it looks like for you. I'm not saying it's got to be, you know, don't get super heroic and say it's going to be three hours every morning. What does it mean for you daily or at some point in your weeks or at the right times? How are you going to manage your life? Because you are called to do that where you say, I'm going to spend time in God's presence. So much of his prayer, though, I want to share with you, when Jesus went on his knees, here's what I want you to know. It wasn't just all about him. It was really a lot about God. How can I be in a place where your spirit can use me to cause people to have encounters with God? I am here to touch the lives of others. And so I challenge you. When it, this is not about, boy, can I, how holy can I get? And Oh, it's all about me, God, I don't want to. Yeah, those are good. But a lot of what Jesus did was on his knees was saying, God, as I move towards this next city and you're calling me to do there, help me stay alert and, and pay attention so that like when he's walking to Jericho, he's walking by and he hears a guy calling out, son of David, and everyone's saying, oh, tell the guy to shut up. And Jesus turns and goes, or when he's walking in a crowd, he's walking in a crowd, imagine this, he's walking in a crowd and a lady who has been ill for a long time, a crowd's pressing against him and, and she just nudges up against him, she touches really, it says kind of the, the skirt which was believed to somehow maybe with holy people bring healing, touch it and Jesus stops and goes, says, well, wait a second, wait a second, who touched me? And Peter's going, you're crazy, everyone's touching you. How could he even know that? Because he was a person who in the presence of God was praying for God to use the presence of God in him as a both God and man. But you can't, we don't go away over here and, and recognize he was fully human. He was dependent on the Holy Spirit in the same way you and I are. He was given the same Holy Spirit that you and I are given. He wasn't, we're not given junior Holy Spirits. Seriously. Our kids aren't given junior Holy Spirits. They can learn as kids to be prayer warriors. They can learn to to harness the presence of God sometimes better than we can. And I could go through, I I have scripture that we could go through here. The second point that he was spirit empowered. Luke 4, 1 through 2 through 14 is so amazing. It says Jesus full of the Holy Spirit left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit and went into the wilderness, and he did that for 40 days, and he was tested by the devil. And I love this, verse 14. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Some of the times you will experience some of the greatest power and presence of God will be after the time you have been tested the most. Because, honestly, Satan knows he wants, he wants this church to fail. He wants you to not be living in joy. He wants you to be centered on yourself. He wants you to be looking only yourself. Because he knows if he can do that, you're going to walk by the person who touches you. You're going to miss the person who's crying out for God. And so if you go through this, and, and, and through Luke, I'll just give you passages. Luke 4, 36 to 37. Just underline how the presence of the power of God was there. Luke 5, 17 and on. Luke 6, 17 and 19. You see the same pattern he had with the prayer thing. You see prayer in the spirit, prayer in the spirit. He's, he's a, mar, a person marked by the presence of God so that when, he, the, when he's in a situation, the presence of God, the spirit of God can empower him to do the kind of things that people can have encounters with God where they have miracles or whatever God wants to have happen. It's not about doing miracles, folks, but miracles and things like that happen. Healings happen when we are in the presence of God and we're willing in faith to reach out and just say, I'll pray for you. 
Oh, man. I'm sorry. I'm excited. <laughs> Acts chapter 2. Jesus tells them. And I could just, Luke 24, 49. You should underline that one. It's the end, just you jump to the end. You will be witnesses of these things, the suffering, death, resurrection, the opportunity to repent and be forgiven, all that stuff. I'm going to send you what my father promised. But he says, stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high, which is an interesting thing. So Jesus, at a certain point in his ministry, was full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit, but it wasn't until after he was tested that now we see the power of the Spirit comes and news spreads from everywhere. There's something about sometimes God comes and he prepares a ministry, he prepares a person, he prepares a people for a time when he will endure a certain level of power to do things in his kingdom that he wants to get done. And I want to be in that place. I want God's spirit to come and to do that through us, through this whole West Metro. And I know so many of you want to do the same thing. And those of you who are watching on video, I don't know what it's going to mean for how we come back together, but we've been saying again and again, we don't want to pause and go back to normal. I don't care for that. I don't want to do that. I want to pause where the Spirit of God, through His presence, resets us in such a way that we live with an ear to the Spirit and we bring Jesus to every person. And I don't mean that in ways that are offensive or anything. It's just how do we hear where people are at and and step into those places. And so then you get to Acts chapter 2. They're told to wait. They're praying out the room. They don't even know what they're praying for. But they know what it is when it comes. There's no mistaking it. And throughout this book, you'll read about this. This presence of God that comes through intimacy and prayer, through spirit kind of encounters, spirit encounters, and spirit-empowered life that brings God encounters. And in the next few weeks, we're going to look at surprising great news, um, three other things that we talk about often here that you see in Luke as well and in Acts, and everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, anything's possible. So I want you to consider this. Is there anything you want to accomplish for Jesus that requires the Spirit's power? Is there anything? And with regard to God encounters, as you consider what does it mean for me to live in the presence of God and taking time to do that, and then what does it mean for me to live that out in the presence of God so that I can be guided by his spirit, not about me, but even for what he's doing for others so that God can encounter people and Jesus can meet people through our words and through our actions. What does it mean for you to think about this? What am I doing taking time so I'm present with God? Are there things in my life as I walk through my daily life that need the empowering presence of the Spirit of God? And the last thing I just want you to ask you, are there people around you that God is waiting to touch? Now, I know in COVID it's a difficult kind of thing, and how does that work? But God is amazing. He's a genius. He knows how to bring people who have needs into the presence of other people, even if it's on Zoom or a telephone or through a card sent. I don't know, but God knows how. So I'm going to ask us just to um, conclude and ask the team to come forward and ask them to sing this song, Build My Life. And I want you to think about those 
those things. Jesus, I mean, he had eyewitnesses who came up and uh, Luke that said, here's what, here's what stuck out. Jesus came, and, and it's really interesting. Many commentators will say, if you were to title Luke, the title of Luke would be, the best title is Jesus, Savior of the World. And he shows us by what people saw how that was lived out sacrificially on the cross, but also in his daily life of coming into the presence of God, allowing the presence of God to lead him and touch him and guide him as he saw and he understood, and then allowing God through faith to have people encounter his um, saving presence. Let's pray if you guys want to play in. Father, just um, take our time as we sing this song to let you build into our life um, the things that you are speaking to us right now.